you can't tell somebody how to feel. You know, they feel what they feel, and and it's important when, you're, when someone's going through that that you just learn emotional intelligence and how to deal with those emotions. this is the money hole podcast please make sure to like subscribe and download or leave a comment today i'm here with my good friend rick monroe thanks for being with me rick oh chris it's such an honor i'm so excited about this i'm excited too so rick this is our new studio what do you think of it i like it i i didn't think there was anything wrong with the old studio but this is this is good they're both pretty good, but um, we're, we're exci- <laughs> I'm excited because it's my first time in here. So if I'm looking around while we're talking, um, uh, it turned out so good. It looks really good. I can't wait till you come down to Reading to get to see it. But Rick, I'm so excited to have you with me because we have a, a really awesome story together. And I know you feel the same way. And then I just think you have so much wisdom and experience to offer the people that uh, listen to our podcast and anybody else that stumbles across it because of, you know, what you do now and just the things you've been through. So a lot of people don't know this. I've shared it with a few, but you know, when I got sober at 19 and I decided I needed to find a job, there was a mortgage broker in town who said, go down the street to this guy named Rick. And he drew the address on a piece of paper. This was before smartphones and and I went down there and I, I go upstairs to this office, which actually right around the corner from where I'm at now. And I walk in and I sit down with you and here's this like sharp business guy. And for some reason, you know, you're one of those guys that just took an interest in a guy you didn't need to, didn't have to. And, you know, by my record at that time, it probably wouldn't have been a good idea to, but you spent a lot of time with me and you gave me some books. You told me some books to read on how to become, how to manage my time. And, and you really just prepared me to launch into the mortgage industry, which at the time was a crazy world. And we may get to that. And, you know, from there I was, I was exploring my faith at the time because I, you know, I just had this, this, this moment where I, I got sober and I'm hanging around different people, different playgrounds, and I'm starting to I'm starting to be attracted to people that have faith. You know, when I was growing up, I I didn't want anything to do with it really because I I just saw a lot of things I didn't like. And now I'm like, man, actually these people, there's something interesting about them. And, you know, so you and I, you start checking in with me, how's the job going? And we go on some trips together and, you know, I mean, I don't know if it's been 20 years now, 20 years later, you know, is it, how has it been 20 years? Yeah, we, we moved up here to the Seattle area in 2004. And so that was like in 2000. So that, that was, that was right around 2000, 2001. Yeah. Right. I think it was, yeah. Right around 2001, 2002, somewhere in there. So yeah, it's, it's been over 20 years. Yeah. So so you, you've been, you were in real estate, you've been in consulting, you've been a business coach for realtors all over the nation. Um, you know, yeah. you, you've done a lot of things and we've stayed connected through all of it. What is that kind of how you remember us meeting? I mean, that's, that's what I pictured in my mind, but. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And then, I mean, the thing that, 
you know, the thing that just always is seared into my mind was, you know, after you, you know, joined um, AA, you were kind of coming around to people and, and kind of admitting some things that you had done in your past and trying to make wholesome relationships. And so you, you took, we went out to lunch and um, sat down and you just were telling me some things that, you know, that you had um, done during the beginning part of our relationship. And, you know, and I, I was just blown away. I was blown away that, you know, that you were man enough, had character enough to kind of do that. Hmm. And it really kind of set, the foundation for our relationship that would, had obviously already started, but this was kind of like, you know, 2.0 of our relationship. And, and now, you know, looking back, I mean, it, it, all I can say to you is just well done. You have done such an incredible job of building a life, you know, being an incredible mortgage broker to your clients, being an incredible husband, incredible dad, and an incredible tribe member, incredible friend to so many people. And, and then your clients, I mean, your clients, they get the best person, you know, as far as having someone. And so, I mean, just standing back and just watching all that. And I don't know if I've ever told you this, but there's a point in our relationship where it seemed like I was kind of more the mentor. I was definitely mentoring you, but there was a point in our relationship where you, you got just so strong in your faith that there was there was times where I was reaching out to you as the mentee. I was coming to you for mentorship and asking you advice and asking you how would you handle this. And um, I, you know, if people don't know that about you, I mean, it's from this standpoint, you know, looking back, all I can say is well done. Wow, that's humbling. You have told me something like that before. I do remember that, um, and it's humbling to hear that. I, you know. I think that what's what's cool about people who learn how to take ownership and they stop being a victim and they start trying to make things right and look for their part is they're not necessarily doing that because they want to be great at anything. A lot of people, you know, specifically in recovery or people that are, you know, in the church or people are just wise enough to learn this stuff. They're out there. Um, they do it just because they, they know that it's actually the, the best way to live their life and have peace of mind. And there's never a solution in thinking that my happiness and contentment is contingent on everybody else in the world doing what I think it should do. And so one of the things I learned early on is like, you always got to find your part in things. And as much as you said, I'm great. Rick, I bet you if my wife heard you say that, she'd probably have a couple things to say about it. So I'm I'm not trying to take away from that <laughs> great thing you said about me. It was beautiful, but I just want to balance it out with I'm still doing that same thing today. In fact, I've made amends recently, man. I just they're not the same type of ones I used to have to make back then. And I don't even remember what I told you it's been so long and one day you'll have to remind me. But that's really cool. Um yeah, so so 20 years, we've been friends, you've been in real estate, and you and I have the same core values. I remember when you and your wife moved up into Washington, and I remember a lot of the hard seasons of life you've gone through, man. They felt like they were going to go on forever, and things are things are different now. And it wasn't that long ago that you were coaching, and you were coaching real estate agents. I think we started talking around that time, Josh Barker and you were friends, and you were coaching for a gentleman up there and what, what, what are things like now? Um, what are you doing now? Like what's life like now? 
Yeah. So, you know, when we moved up here, um, kind of around that time, my wife was just so, so ill and, uh, she was pretty much bedridden for about 10 to 12 years. I mean, she would get out of bed to go to the doctor, but she didn't work and she used to be a high school English teacher. And so she really just had to resign from all that. And, um, it was, it was difficult, you know, when we were living up here and it, it affected, you know, my work, I was pretty much a caretaker, hundred percent of a caretaker with my time. It was hard job wise because it was affecting me jobs, but all that, you know, she's been, she's been healed and life is incredibly different. Now we have just such a complete different life. And my wife is such a massive part of our daily life. And she goes to work every day and she's such a contributor to just, you know, our world and, and can imagine it any different way than what it is now. Um, I'm a real estate agent. I'm, you know, full-time selling real estate agent. I still coach other agents uh, and I do consulting, financial consulting with people um, as well. And it's, you know, it, it's just trying to come to add value to people to where you feel like you're, you're doing life in such a way that it's, it's meaningful to you, but also impacting other people. And I think that's where I'm at right now. You know, at this point in my life, it's, not so much about the material things. It's not so much about hitting all my goals. It's, you know, am I, am I following the mission that I feel God's called me to follow? You know, and that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah, that's, that's good. I, I think that the hard seasons, and I remember when you and Betsy went through that, I mean, there was times even on my end where I was like, man, I don't know if this is ever going to end. And it, it was, it was a really long season in the desert, man. And, I mean, you just touched on it, but I, I know it was affecting you in every way that a man could be affected financially, um, relationally. I mean, it was, it was hard. And, you know, for me at 40 uh, and guys my age, like it's so good for us to see guys like you stay committed to your wife and serve your wife and go through that long suffering when you don't know if you're going to come out the other side and it's going to be one of those great stories, you just don't know. And man, I just, I admire you so much for that. I watched you uh, just step up to the plate and do something that honestly is, is rare today, unfortunately. And so, you know, that I don't, and I don't know if I've ever told you that, but I was watching and, (laughs) and that meant so much to me. And I don't think you'd be the coach, the realtor, the consultant you are today, had you not gone through that, I think hard times for all of us are such an asset for us. Um, if we have the eyes to see it that way and we're not a victim, we learn so much and we, we just get something out of those seasons that when seasons get better, um, I just think that we have such more impact on people because we know what it's like. We've been there, we felt it and we just connect with people in a different way. For example, I remember that when I had cancer and I went through chemotherapy, I would be sitting with these people in the chemo ward getting pumped full of chemo. And we're all laughing and joking about dying and, you know, there's people eating pot brownies and stuff. I mean, it was hysterical. And I, we, we, I remember we were talking about how when people would see us bald, sick, not knowing if we were going to live how they would say the weirdest things like, how are you doing? And, and, you know, I'm not trying to be mean. I mean, people do their best in those situations, but 
what I learned from that was yeah. if I ever talk to someone that has cancer right now, I know what to say to them. For example, I was talking to a lady on Zoom that had stage four cancer about six months ago. And she had her hair was gone. She was still working. This lady had bad cancer. Like, I'm not sure if I'm going to have another Zoom call with her type cancer. And I ask her about it. And she starts telling me. And I just say, I say to her as just as serious as I am right now, I said, do you think you're going to make it? And she said, you know, I don't know. And I said, yeah, I, I get it. I know what that feels like. Um, what are you doing to deal with the depression? And she, she told me she's meditating, praying, and we ended up having this super real conversation and she like opened up and, and so, but that's because I went through that, you know, if I wouldn't have gone through that, I would not have been able to connect with someone going through cancer the way that I was able to connect with people that go through cancer, because I know, I know what those feelings are like. And I know how weird it is. You feel alone and, you know, no one really understands what it's like. So I, I just, I don't know, man, I think that's such a big part of your story today is it hasn't been easy for you. You've had to fight and you've had tons of times of uncertainty and not knowing what was going to happen next month, not knowing how you were going to pay your bills. And, um, I don't, I know this is true for you, Rick, but I would never want to take those parts of my story out. Yeah. I, I mean, I think what it really did was I really learned from my wife a lot about emotional intelligence, right? I mean, you, that you can't, you can't tell somebody how to feel, you know, they feel what they feel. And, and it's, important when you're when someone's going through that that you just learn emotional intelligence and how to deal with those emotions and i know on you know some of the recent podcasts you've had you've kind of been talking about that and it's mm -hmm. it's a big deal it's yeah. it's it's a part of my maturity of and going through this is just really learning how to deal with the emotions of disappointment and um how do you you know we we didn't have friends because we couldn't do anything and we couldn't every time we would schedule something she could never go. We would have to cancel. And I just got so old doing all that. And so you just start to learn some emotional intelligence of, of how to help somebody and ask the right questions and just some, just be there and not say anything. And that's where your the emotional intelligence comes through. And it, it's a big deal. It's a big deal to be able to help people in that way. And you're right. That I learned a lot of emotional intelligence from my wife going through that process. Yeah. And translating that to our businesses, we're both in the people business, right? And right. I think that the secret weapon is the ability to connect with people. And I think that's what we're really talking about here is we, we have learned how to connect with people on a level that's so much deeper than you selling them a house, me helping them with a mortgage. And, and I think that it, yeah. it's a, we build a relationship, you know, and that's, and so I want to talk oh, yeah. about that for a little while because, you know, you're, you're actually doing pretty well in a market right now. That's not an easy market to navigate and we're doing pretty well. And I know that, you know, you have a different strategy than maybe you would have had in the past because you've read all the books, you've been a coach, you've been a part of all the biggest coaching programs in the nation. You were recently hanging out with my coach, Rick, you hang out, you know, you're a part of Joe Stumpf. You've gone to Mike Ferry. There's, there's not a lot about 
about real estate and selling real estate that you haven't learned. And yet you're taking a completely different approach right now. And I, I'd love to hear about that because I, 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 it's something that I think is really interesting. And there's a bunch of people starting to kind of change the way they do things that I'm talking with have a very similar uh, strategy, if you will. So what, what strategy are you talking about? <laughs> There's several that I'm doing right now. <laughs> well, I was, that's true. You've got this. Uh, I'm talking about the the strategy of uh, really faith, faith in action with your business. You know, even, you know, AA, for example, AA is not a religious mm -hmm. organization. But one of the things I remember early in my time of sobriety when I was, I had fear of financial insecurity. Actually, I didn't have fear of it. I had financial insecurity. And I remember that there was this little reading and I was hearing this from these guys. It wasn't Christian guys necessarily, but they said, hey, oftentimes um, when these things happen, it's really important that you remember that God is the source. The channel, sometimes it dries up but it's just leading you to a new channel. The source is unlimited. And so it's this abundance mentality. And, and as Christians, we have a lot of language yeah. for that, but I don't see very many people that actually, they can say the scriptures, they can say the Christian things, but they don't actually learn to live by faith in their business. And so that's something that I've really been interested in hearing from you. Cause I think it's relevant right now for, for anyone, whether they have a faith or not. Yeah. I, I think that what I started to kind of realize is that in real estate, we are really the catalyst for many things. You know, when someone buys a house, it affects a lender. It affects a, um, a home inspector. It affects an appraiser. It affects, you know, other real estate agents. It affects title companies. All of a sudden the home improvement stores after the transaction closes starts to get a lot of business. And, and so we're a catalyst for a lot of things. And what I, what I started to realize is that there's so much more to my clients than just this transaction. And we're entering this point in their life at this transaction time, but there's also things going on with them. So kind of like what we were just talking about with emotional intelligence, I realized there's a spiritual side to every single one of my clients. And what am I doing to try to address that? And you know, what am I doing to try to pray for them and, and maybe what they're going through or what's happening in their family or you know, who's praying for them. So in, instead of me just trying to pray that the transaction goes through, I started really focusing on what are their needs. And, and, you know, I was having, uh, I was meeting with a photographer the other day and he was telling me about his back and just how bad his back was feeling. And so started kind of adding to where, you know, that's a need he has and that's starting to pray for that. And, and so even if someone's not necessarily a Christian or follows God, I think you can take this and put this into your life of, the people that you're interacting with, your bots, coworkers, how can you be more respectful for kind of what they're going through? You know, the, the story that they're having that they're not telling you, you know, and how can you have eyes to see and ears to hear kind of little clues of maybe how you can help them and add value to them. And, and so I've just found that as I've started to do that, you know, I mean, we talked, I mean, God is a provider for my business, but I found that as I started to try to take care of his business and the things that are important to him, the people that as I'm going out through my day, I'm dealing with things and people on a surface level. But as I started to really focus on maybe their spirituality and um, just kind of their needs in that way, God's really started to 
you know, take care of my business and bless my business in such a way. So it, it's, it's just literally changed the way that I'm doing business, the way that I'm approaching business, the way that I'm spending my time on a daily business. I'm really trying to go deeper with people in those relationships and just trying to hear for clues of how I can help them. Yeah. If we're talking what we're really talking about is, you know, our priority is people. And I think that mm-hmm. there's some people that never learn that. But if you look at any person that's mastered business or anything, they have truly learned to, to, to try to help everybody around them. I mean, that's the, everyone knows if they, if they've read anything about the Zig Ziglar quote, you know, if you can get right. anything you want in life, as long as you help as many people get what they want. And so this is a universal principle. And, you know, I think it makes doing business so much more fun. I think you enjoy it a lot more. But yeah, I don't know how it works, but it seems like your needs are taken care of. And and that's a conversation I always struggle with when we talk with people. It's like, where is that line between my best effort and, you know, this th- business coming out of the blue, you know, cause I, I do think it's important that we work hard. I know you work very hard. It is. I think it's important that we give excellent service. I mean, this isn't a message to like go in your closet and pray for business and expect a, you know, a, a piece of business to roll under the door. It's not that at all, but um, it's such an important thing right. for people right now because the economy's weird and people are in our industry, you know, worst market we've seen in 30 years, way different than 08. Prices have not changed, but affordability right. is the worst it's been in 30 years and people are struggling. When, and so a lot of real estate agents, mortgage professionals, title officers, like you said, all those people, we have an entire economy around our industry. I think real, estates are, real estate agents alone are $17 trillion a year in taxes from their commissions. Mm-hmm. Very important people very important profession. And so it's just a message that I try to share with agents that I talk to often when they're struggling. And I also try to help them own without shaming them. But it's like, hey, you know, you're not a victim. Like, let's go through your budget. There's some really practical things to this too. But I'm so glad that you shared that, Rick, because it's inspired me. I need to be reminded this sometime. You know, my my, uh, faith in business ebbs and flows. There's times where I'm striving and I'm trying to make it happen. And no matter what I do, it is not happening. And then it's, you know, I realize I remember the source. Oh, yeah. I just mm-hmm. need to do the next right thing and not worry about the outcome. Yeah. And then all, all of a sudden, it's just so bizarre how it works. It's, it's the grace of God. But I'd love to hear a little bit about what your, what your perspective is right now on the housing market. You know, it's a, it's a very interesting time right now. Um, it, this entire year has been fascinating. You know, we saw interest rates go from three to eight and a half percent in October in a, in 11 months, yep. fast as they've gone up in history like that. Any other market before this home prices would have dipped 30, 40%. And it didn't. It, it is in market. Some markets, right. it went up more. A lot of markets stayed flat. Some markets, we saw a little bit of a correction and here we are end of the year. And we're now seeing the fed has, paused raising rates, mortgage rates are starting to come down. They've come down 1% and mortgage applications have tripled. And I saw a stat the other day that said 
every time mortgage rates come down 1%, 8 million more people will enter the housing market, which if anyone pays attention or, or, or knows anything, that's going to put more demand on a very short supply of homes nationwide. So what are you telling your millennial, your you know Gen Z, your first time move up buyers right now that are dealing with these types of concerns? Am I going to get into a market where my home goes down in value in 2024? These are real questions and concerns people have right now. Yeah. You know, a lot of my business is first time homebuyers. I mean, when I first, you know, about the time that I was knowing you, it was uh, a major component of my business. And it's been that way over the years. I, I just love working with them. So I give this type of advice literally every week. And what I'm telling my clients is right now is it, it sounds silly. It sounds kind of weird, but right now is an incredible time to buy. Because if you can afford to purchase, you need to be purchasing right now. Because what we saw last year at this time, rates were coming up and you know the market was kind of pulling back. And we started seeing up here in the Seattle area where no longer was there multiple offers, no longer was there price escalations, no longer were buyers waiving contingencies and stuff. Now all of a sudden sellers were paying for you know buyer to have buy downs and you know and concessions for them to be able to, you know, buy the rate down. And then all of a sudden, right around January, I don't know the exact, exact date, but right around January, you know, rates dipped about a half a point and everybody jumped into the market again. And all of a sudden we started seeing in the month of middle of January, February, no longer were there those seller concessions, no longer, you know, and now all of a sudden buyers started waiving contingencies again. And we started having multiple offers. You know, a lot of my buyer clients, in the past several, last year, year and a half, it wasn't if we could find them a house. It was if we could win them an offer. We were sometimes coming up against 20, 25, 30 other offers. Mm -hmm. And I had to create this program called the One Offer Purchase Program so that when we made an offer, we would hopefully only have to write one offer <clears throat> and, and actually win it. And so this time, if you can afford to buy, it's an incredible time to buy because they're are still some seller concessions right now. There is not as many multiple offers. And, you know, if, if any, I mean, some, some listings are, are getting, you know, just one offer, maybe two, but there's not the multiple offer situation. Mm -hmm. So you can go in right now and you would be able to win an offer, purchase your house. And as long as you can afford it, as long as you qualify for it, you know, it, it's great. And then whatever happens with rates, if they come down, then you refinance and it's all just gravy for you. But yeah. What I'm telling my clients is that next, next year, the spring market, what we're looking to see, if rates just stay the way that they are or start to dip down even more, we're going to see more and more people come to the market. We have a saying that January 1, two things happen. People want to do two things. They want to buy a house. They want to lose weight. And um, both of those things. And it, so that happens every January. That just that resurgence for that. So then if we start to see rates staying the way they are or coming down, it's just going to even be more. So it's just going to be more people piling into the market. And it's going to be very, very difficult to try to win an offer in a house. So if someone can afford now, I'm telling them to buy. Yeah, I truly believe that too, Rick. I, you know, I put this uh, post out the other day to help people understand, you know, the power of or, or really why they shouldn't wait for rates. At $400,000 at a 7.5%, 
their payment would be $2,800 approximately. Okay, now, uh, usually what happens is for every 1% rates go down, prices go up 7 to 10% because of the demand. So that same house, that $400,000 house going up in $50,000 increments, a 6.5%, the payment would be almost the same. I run this this all the way up to 500000 with interest rates going from 7.5 to 5.5. The payment is almost the same. And so the point to people is you you really should be focused more on the price you can pay. And right now, to your point, Rick, you can sneak in during the holidays, during a time when there's not as much demand, get a seller that will cooperate with you. You're not going to be competing with people as much anyways, and possibly even get closing costs paid. And, you know, if, if what we see happening happens and rates drop next year, that person's going to be in a really good position because there is literally zero data that suggests that home prices are going to crash. I mean, everything right. is stacked towards home prices going up. You've got 5 million people coming across the southern border needing housing. You've got 50 million millennial families forming over the next 13 years. And we're so behind in new construction that there's just no way they can catch up. Our government's trying to change some things with ADUs. But this stuff's going to take years before it really replaces the deficit of units that we have right now. And so, you know, and and the the last thing I'll say on this is I think consumers are starting to catch on to it and they're starting to realize that the media has been wrong. Well, you know, two things that I tell my clients, I mean, number one is that you can refinance your loan rate, but you can't refinance your price that you purchased the house. You only got one shot at that. So if we can lock in your home price now, well, prices aren't escalating. Let's lock that in because you can always refinance your loan. You can't refinance your house, right? Yep. You can't refinance the, the price of your house. It, it's one-time shot. So let's go lock that in now and you know, make sure that we take care of that. And then as rates come down, we can refinance. The second thing is, you know, when Beth and I bought our house, you know, thing, you know that, that had you over, we had you there. We moved away from to move up here. When we bought it in 1998, interest rates were eight and a quarter. And um, she was saying, and we were kind of at the point of a market where we were buying at the peak of the market. And she was saying, you know, what do we do? What happens if the market crashes? And the advice I gave my wife that I give my clients every to this day is we want to buy with a long-term in mind. If if we can you know, buy this house now, and as long as we can stay here 10 years, we can ride out any type of market that's happening. I mean, usually market cycles are typically 10 years. They're not, it's not always an exact science, but. What I always tell my clients is if you can move in now and live in the house and then as if your family changes or whatever, can you add on to the house or can you make the house grow with you so that if if the market did crash, then you would just be able to have to stay there a little bit longer in order for it to come back around. And and that's, you know, the advice we look at with every house yeah. that we're looking at is, you know, is, well, this fits your needs now. Do you have to do a lot of remodeling to move in now? No. Okay. And if you did buy this and you had to stay here longer, you only have one child right now. You'd like to have more. There's another bedroom. Can we add on to the house if, if there's not, you know, another bedroom? And we take this into consideration when we're making the purchase now. Yeah, well, I really appreciate you sharing that information. It's it, People need to be informed. They need to know what's going on. 
Um, well, Rick, I know I know it's getting late up there. I, I really appreciate you spending some time with me, bud, and I'm looking forward to our journey together. We're doing business together. Uh, we're still connected 20 years later, and, and I'm so grateful for you. So um, thank you for making time. And uh, for everyone watching this, uh, feel free to ask any questions in the comments. Um, appreciate you, bro. Love you. Thanks so much, Chris. You're awesome. You're doing a great job for your clients. You're doing a great job for real estate agents like me. And we just appreciate what you do on a daily basis. Keep it up.